get myself a Lincoln Got me plotting, got me plotting, got me thinking, got me thinking How can I come up and get myself a Lincoln? I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB, a.k.a. The Lincoln Addict, and this is Lincoln Addict Podcast, Episode 8, brought to you by Jeff, Davey, and the team at Devious Customs. Visit DeviousCustoms.com if you're looking for various suspension needs, exhaust, or one-off parts. Jeff and his team there can get the job done. DeviousCustoms.com or on Instagram at DeviousCustoms. Make sure you check and follow the hashtag, Go Be Devious. Also, Colorado Custom Wheels. Michael and the team produce the best billet replica Lincoln wheels in the world. If you're looking to upgrade from a 14-inch wheel to a 15 or larger, make sure you hit up the team, 714-441-2498 or cccyclewheels.com. With each post on Instagram at CC Cycle Wheels, Michael has the email address and contact information there. Emails at coloradocustom.com. All right, so episode eight. I know it's been a few weeks. I've already got episode nine in the works. It's halfway done, so you won't have to wait as long. Trying to produce these as quick as I can and uh, not step on the toes of the other podcast that I co-host and produce, which is Our Lifestyle, the podcast. That podcast, as many of you know, centers around trucks, uh, especially mini trucks, BMX bikes, skateboarding, hip-hop, music in general, you name it, uh, 80s, 90s, and beyond. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, follow me over there. I go by the moniker ODB, and I enjoy doing it every week. We have typically four episodes per month and sometimes even more. All right, last episode of the Lincoln Attic Podcast, episode seven, we had Epic Customs on and we learned a little bit about his passion for these cars as well as some of the products that he has had in the works. Uh, What I would tell everybody is the pre-order on that product ended for the gas pedals, however, You can get with Sam, a.k.a. Doc, at Epic Customs up there in Canada, and I'm sure that he's going to produce a few extra, and you'll be able to get in at a certain point once they are fully manufactured. So really good people up there, and a big shout-out to Sam, a.k.a. Doc, up at Epic Customs. Now, Lincoln Life updates, which I've been providing with each episode, uh, this is brought to you by Steel Rubber. If you're in the need for new weather stripping for your Lincoln Continental car or other project, visit steelrubber.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com, 
and enter your vehicle information into the drop-down menu. I've been working with these folks a little while now uh, for the past few months, and we will have them on very soon to talk about their awesome products. Best in the industry, hands down, and especially when you get down to these Lincoln Continentals with so many pieces of weather stripping, you want to go with the best product to keep the, qui- the, the car not only quiet, but also to keep the weather out. When John Cashman was on, and any person that's been around these cars a long time, they will tell you moisture and water getting into these cars and them sitting outside, that is not a good thing. So make sure you take care of your car. Upgrade to Steel Rubber via SteelRubber.com. All right, so I just have a couple of updates. I wanted to mention for those that are on Instagram, look up F-O-N-N-I-C-K and underscore T-N for Tennessee. You got Nicholas Duncan. He has a really cool motor swap that he's doing in his car. And um, it's, you know, it's not often that people are kind of thinking outside the box with these cars. A lot of them, you know, there's a lot of trends that people kind of follow. Typically, lately, it's been you either keep the Mel 430 or 462. A lot of guys are upgrading to the LS motors, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I understand why they do it. Believe me, I think they look good as well. And you got the Coyote swaps that are on to rise, and uh, the the LS swaps. I think they're the price is coming down overall, but then also I know the Coyote swaps; those are up there with the cost. This looks like a 12 valve Cummins, from what I can tell. I know Tony Boss Bolin. He knows these motors inside and out uh, because he has been around and worked with these motors a long time in some of his fleet vehicles that he owns. Pretty cool to see that thing finessed down in there of the engine bay of a 60s-era Lincoln Continental. So pretty cool. Wanted to share that with everyone. Also, Tony Boss Bolin, he recently uh, put in some work on a blue. It actually had a tag on the front of it titled or named Old Blue, O-L-E, Old Blue. It was a 66 Lincoln Continental convertible, someone that we had met locally. He had picked the car up from Texas, from what I understand. Pretty solid car overall. It did need a little bit of love. Uh, Tony went through and did a bunch of work on it. I helped him a couple days, but for the most part, he did 99% of it. He was able to, uh, you know, basically solder in all new window switches. He also had ordered some parts from Mark II Enterprises, including, as you, some of you guys know, on the 66 and 67s, you have like the armrest area on the doors. Those pieces will tend to break. Sometimes they can be repaired. Sometimes they're too far gone. Now, the customer had ordered, forget if it was one or two of those, but I do know, I think it was the driver's side, Tony had to drill and cut out the spot for the light so the courtesy light that illuminates down to the, um, you know, uh, basically the ground when the doors open. So uh, kind of interesting there, but uh, it only took a couple minutes to trace it out, cut it out real, uh, you know, cleanly. One thing that I'll, I'll say, and Tony and I noticed this as well, even though those parts are like new molds, they still are very fragile. So you got to be super careful if you're working on one of those cars, 66, 67 primarily. I know because I have a 67 sedan, those things are just like brittle <laughs> plastic. So 
at the end of the day, Tony got a lot of work in on this car. The customer was happy. The top's working. And, um, you know, the guy was super stoked. But that was one of the cars that Tony had worked on. And, again, we put in new window switches. We soldered everything in, weather stripping, heat shrink, you name it. Uh, car hopefully will be enjoyed uh, here uh, in, in, the, in the coming months, especially with the weather just perfect lately. And uh, he wants to roll out with us a little bit and uh, hopefully go on a few cruises this summer. Okay, the next Lincoln Life update is make sure you're following Driving Dreams Restorations on YouTube. So Nathan Wilson is a really good dude. I gave him a shout-out in the past. Uh, he had um, helped Tony and I out when we were out that way. The other thing is Nathan was recently out in the Tampa Bay area. He had, I think he was over like in Plant City area. He had to uh, stop by a trailer place to get some maintenance done. And he was like, man, while I'm out here, I'll swing by Lincoln Land. And then he went by over at the Boss Bowling Industries compound. So we got a chance to sync up a few minutes and talk with him. The reason why I say is Nathan Wilson, Driving Dreams. If you search that on YouTube, you're going to see that he has his own channel with 60 videos as of this recording. Uh, just about three weeks ago, he did a pretty cool video, which was LED versus stock lighting comparison in two 64 Lincolns side by side. It's not often that someone has two Lincolns side by side, one that's bone stock in terms of lighting, the other that has various LEDs for the headlamps as well as for the interior lights. It was a great side-by-side -side comparison that really gives you a good visual of the, the fact that if you upgrade to the LED lights, you have a much better experience, visual experience overall. I typically, in past projects, I would say to upgrade to LED lamps or uh, lights. The, you know, I think some of us like the nostalgia of the incandescent bulbs where uh, the, you know, at night you're inside the car and it's like, ah, oh, it kind of reminds you of the old days, right? I have a 79 C30 Dually, and when I upgraded to the LED lights in there, it was night and day. Like, I, I have great eyesight. I couldn't even see those gauges for the most part at night. I mean, it was horrible. Upgraded to LEDs night and day. So uh, he also, in that same video, lists in there the different part numbers that he used. Nathan does a great job of kind of reinforcing where he buys parts or you know the part numbers and that type of thing. And it really, really helps. In that video, he also, uh, in the description, I should say, he mentions that if the... In that same video, he mentions in the description... If those videos help you, he would ask that you donate to the Animal Sanctuary. And there is a PayPal link in there. So if you want to do something good for Nathan and you enjoy his videos, uh, you can always donate to that Animal Sanctuary. I thought that was pretty cool. So he lists there uh, some serious LED T10 replacements in the dash, aux beam H4 LED headlights, and then he also lists the taillight numbers there, 1157 as well. If you Google those or you look on Amazon, you'll be able to locate those. I also like some of the LED lighting that he did in the convertible that you'll see in the video. He's got some blue light. So he, he does a lot of cool stuff you know, outside of the purist side of it when you get into the customization. And it is pretty cool because, I mean, these cars, especially at night, there's a lot more 
it, down here in the south because it's so hot. There's a few night shows that um, that we attend and whatnot, and it's kind of cool to have that extra lighting in the car. It really enhances it. He also did one of the a couple of the LEDs underneath the seat, and I thought that was pretty cool, especially for the rear passengers if you have the uh, any riding with you. I was just in Missouri this last week, and my buddy Jason up there has a square body S10. And he has a lot of nice little LED lighting that a friend of his built for him, including the little brackets. And it kind of goes up underneath the bedsides. And man, at night, just sitting in the garage, when he clicked those on, really illuminated inside of the bed. That's all nice and uh, bed-lined, color-matched, and it just really is some nice accents. So pretty cool that Nathan continues to produce really cool videos and gives us something fun to watch, especially with some awesome side-by-side comparisons. Okay, this episode, I have John from Stinkin' Lincoln in the Pittsburgh area. He is uh, someone that many of us have known for a long time. He's been an active member on the LincolnForum.net. He's also very active in various Facebook groups. I got a chance to meet him uh, summer of 2017. We drove up from Florida to Pittsburgh area to see my wife's family. Then we left from there went up to Niagara Falls, and then ultimately to Toronto, and then all the way back. We kind of snaked through Buffalo, and uh, it was pretty cool. But I got a chance to ride in at the time. I think it was a 66 that he had, a convertible. So got a chance to really meet him and put a, a, you know, a face to a name that I had really known for a while through those various online outlets. But this time, I was up there for a wedding, and I had about a day and a half to spare. Uh, the wife was hanging out with her friends and she said, Hey, you're free to do whatever today. And I'm like, boom. So I got an Uber over to his place and, uh, we did some cruising really cool 64 Lincoln that, uh, is actually the Lincoln. And I did not realize this until he and I started talking, but if you go on or if you just Google, uh, stance works, Lincoln continental, so Stance Works, W-O-R-K-S, all together, and then Lincoln Continental. You'll see two different features out there. There's a coupe, and then there is a 64. And the 64 that he owns is the car, which I would have never even realized this. I've read this feature plenty of times. The feature is actually all the way back from December of 2013. So, you know, five, six years ago. And... The car that was featured on Stance Works, I always thought that that was just a black Lincoln. You know, so many of them are black. And, you know, the, the feature is kind of cool because it's underneath a tree. There's a lot of shadows. You know, that's typically not what you'll see from a photographer or a photography standpoint, I should say. But when he told me that, it clicked. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, the car is in black. You know, you can kind of see in one of the shots where it shows the front driver fender with the white wall tire against it. You see, okay, boom, it's green, you know. But um, this car kind of fell in John's lap, and I'm really glad that he ended up with it. I've been around air suspension for, you know, almost 20, I mean, really 20 years. Uh, I had a a truck that was airbagged back in the late 90s, and I guess it was basically 20 years ago this year, I think, that it was actually airbagged. And, uh, you know, bags have been around even way further than that when you get into the semis and all that. Mini truck scene airbags mid to early 90s, you know, 93, 94, they really started getting to be big. But for John, this is the first car that he's owned that's airbagged. 
And, you know, I, I know that he really enjoys it. He gets a lot of looks. And I tell you what, we cruised that car two days in a row, and it rode great, no issues. And, um, man, it's just an awesome cruising car. There's a really cool story about the car. He'll talk, I think during the interview we talk a little bit about it, but if you want the full story, he mentions go out here. It's pretty interesting how the seats kind of ended up to be, you know, with that patina look that they have. John and I kind of joked about it when I was up there. I almost like it more. You know, it gave it a lot more character. And if you're interested in how all of that happened, go out there and read it on Stance Works website. Now, the second day that we hung out, I actually borrowed a car from uh, my wife's friend. And I was like, hey, I'm out of here. So they all had got together again before the wedding. And I drove over to his spot. And what we ended up doing that day was we cruised over to a benefit show. And it was at a local, I think it was a community college. And, uh, you know, we cruised over there, spent eh, maybe an hour or two. It was all for donation and uh, all for charity, I should say. Had a great time, and then we cruised back. The other thing is you want to make sure that you're following Lincoln Addict's YouTube channel. So on YouTube, just search Lincoln Addict. The reason why I say is I took a lot of video when I was up there, uh, so much so that uh, my hard drive was like, ah, I need more space. And I uh, had a good time. I actually put together, I think, two videos, very similar, a little bit different length. I did a 60-second version for Instagram and then a couple, maybe one or two for YouTube. So hopefully you like those. And I've seen some cool comments on a few of the videos that I posted lately. I'll continue to try to do those as much as I can. And uh, make sure you check it out. Give it a like. And also subscribe to Lincoln Addict on YouTube. All right. The last Lincoln Life update is champion radiators on the rise. If you follow my Facebook or Instagram page, uh, you may have seen recently I posted a new champion radiator. That was back on May 8th. That was the first one that I was aware of that arrived. We actually have Pat Tian, and he comes on, Tihan, I think is how you say it, T-E-A, like Tihan, T-E-A-H-A-N is his last name, Many of you guys know him, Bernski from the LincolnForum.net or Pat, P-A-T, and then his last name on Instagram. But we have him on episode nine, and he's going to talk a little bit about how he spearheaded the whole partnership with Champion, and he really, for lack of better terms, he championed these radiators being produced by this big brand name. Didn't happen overnight, took some time, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, on the next episode. If you're in the market for a radiator that's direct bolt-in, you can go to championradiators.com. You can search there for the information that you're looking for. The one thing that sticks out to me is on the lincolnforum.net, Pat had did a write-up. I don't know if it was a couple years ago. He It was probably about two years ago. Before he ever kicked off this whole partnership with Champion, and when I say partnership... You know, he didn't get anything out of it, and you'll hear that on the next episode. He just basically had, you know, did it for the greater good of the community of these, you know, us, the Lincoln owners, because, you know, some of the other, you know, providers are a little bit expensive, or in his case, he actually went with a Mustang radiator, which works perfectly fine. I actually had bought one of those myself, so, 
the the big difference is here. If you go with the Mustang setup, you can eliminate the expansion tank because you have a radiator cap in the radiator, like a traditional radiator. If you're looking to stay more stock and you want to keep the expansion tank, go with the Champion radiator because it's direct bolt-in, it's all aluminum, and it's everything everything just you know bolts right up. It's simple. So you have a couple of options there. I'm still not exactly sure which one I'm going to use because I did buy the Champion Radiator. Primarily because, man, Pat put all that time and effort in. And it's kind of like, you know what? I'm going to throw in for the cause. I'm going to buy one and I'm going to say, hey, you know, I'm on board. And I'm, you know, I love companies that will embrace what we're needing or asking for in our scene. And uh, this whole Lincoln community is very small in the grand scheme of things when you compare you know, Camaros and Cadillacs and things like that. So uh, dare I say the C word Cadillac on this podcast, I know. But in all seriousness, you know, some of you guys, you have the sheet that John Cashman will routinely give out, and it shows the production number from 61 through 68 or 69. And when you look at the sedans and the coupes uh, for those two and a half years, and then you look at the convertibles, man, the numbers are pretty low in the grand scheme of things. So getting a company to move on producing parts for this like niche market is just not simple. And then Pat on that next episode, we'll talk a little bit about another product that he's spearheading with an organization, which is going to be definitely welcomed for our entire uh, Lincoln community. So uh, more to come on that. But again, Champion Radiators, those have shipped and you can go out there and buy them. And it's even cheaper than buying the Mustang radiator from Jags because I bought both. I bought the Jags uh, deal. It was the cheapest I could find for the Mustang, triple core aluminum. And I also bought the Champion. Again, big difference is Champion, you're going to keep the expansion tank. The other one, you're not. You're going to eliminate it if that's what you want to do. All right. The Lincoln Broker. So what I would tell you is if you're in the market or maybe you found this podcast and you know a lot of people say quote unquote these Lincolns are their dream cars us owners say hey <laughs> dream away because there's plenty of challenges that we deal with but in all seriousness uh, if you're in the market for a Lincoln you could email me Lincoln Continental Broker at gmail.com or Lincoln Attic Podcast at gmail.com right now we have a 63 vert we have it's a red car. You guys have probably seen me post it. It's a beautiful car. There's a few small things that need to be done, not mechanically, but more visually. If you really want to get it back to 100% stock looking, really just uh, includes the little what I call inserts where the door handles are at on the inside. So those could be swapped out. Maybe something that looks a little bit more uh, factory. And then, of course, one other thing I would suggest changing is the radio. So in those cars, you know, having an aftermarket radio right there, dead center in the middle of the dash, isn't that, uh, you know, isn't that visually appealing depending on the owner, but uh, those are very, very small things in the grand scheme of things. That car is up for sale for 40,000. Not sure what the owner's going to do, man. He might put it over on consignment. I talk with him pretty much every week and, uh, I don't know if it's just out of the, the, the price range of the majority of people, but it's 100% a $40,000 car. 
There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, it's one that really should get that or even more. So uh, we'll have to see where that one ends up. But if you're interested, let me know. There's also a black 67 sedan. You guys have probably seen me also post this car. It's a beautiful car. It's black. It has been resprayed. It has the cruise control factory. And it really has a lot going for it. It's kind of an untouched car for the most part. This car is coming in right now, asking price 15000 or best offer. It's a type of car that, for the most part, you could tinker with a little bit and get into it at a good deal and just enjoy it. It does run and drive. There's a little bit of a, a transmission leak, but when you uh, park on flat pavement, you're pretty much good to go. It's not going to really leak much. Uh, typically, these transmissions in these cars have to be dropped anyways and be, quote-unquote, gone through. So, a uh, 67 sedan black, asking price 15000 or best offer. Now, there is also another car that we are looking to sell as a 67 full custom convertible, and this car is beautiful. It Technically, we're asking 62000 and I know what some of you guys are thinking, like, really? I mean, that's a lot of money. It is, but if you were to take that 63 vert, and you were to say, okay, that's a $40,000 car, and you were to add in, which that car really is a $40,000 car, and you were to add in all of these things that are done to the 67, you easily surpass the $62,000 mark. Now, I know some people are like, oh, I don't like the 66, 67, 68s, and so on. Man, I tell you what, if you're looking for an awesome car, the 67 is awesome. Uh, it was... It basically was a two-and-a-half-year restoration, bare metal prep, and respray in Arctic white, all rust repair done. It's been dynamated. It had a new 67 hood ornament. It has new headlights. Washer, fluid bag, and bracket were replaced. Power steering pump was rebuilt, so on and so forth. I mean, every single thing, for the most part, on this car was, was touched, including if anything needed to be rechromed, that was done. If there were stainless pieces that needed to be polished or dents removed, that was done. So it was a painstaking uh, resto mod style restoration, and uh, the even the transmission was rebuilt with new bands and discs, etc. So again, if you're in the market for a car that you want to cruise, put the top down, which works flawlessly by the way, and just ride out, boom, this is the car for you. So. Uh, let me know. It also has Jim Wallace fabric for the top and various miscellaneous other things, including diamondback tires that only have not even 500 miles on them. So I'll be posting a little bit uh, additionally on those ads for this car. Be on the lookout. It is a beautiful one, 67 full custom car. The car is currently located in Abu Dhabi, I believe it is, and uh, that car would have to be imported. Don't freak out there. We have a friend, Josh, over in San Diego. He sold a couple cars that have went over there. Transactions are very, very smooth. We can make sure that everything goes good. So 67 full custom car. It's located overseas. You'll see the photos on our Lincoln Addict Instagram or Facebook. And again, more information coming. I have a lot of videos and uh, photos that I'll be sharing about that on that one. All right. So I started this Lincoln's in the movies recently and... For this episode, the Lincoln Continental 
that we're going to highlight is 64, 63. So some of you guys may remember the 1964 movie Goldfinger. Okay, who doesn't like a James Bond movie? This movie is like love-hate relationship if you're a Lincoln fan. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Others are like, what's he talking about? There is a 64 convertible in here uh, in the movie, but there's also a 64 sedan that has a stunt double, stunt double that is a 63. So we'll talk about it. If you go out on YouTube and you search Goldfinger, Lincoln Continental, you're going to see there's a couple of different ones. You want to go to the one that's about four minutes. It's titled Goldfinger 1964 Car Tailing Scene. And in this scene, it basically shows where the car, the 64, is driven to a junkyard. The 64 is swapped out for a 63 in the same, I think it's nocturne blue color. And it's picked up with a crane, and it's basically crushed. And it's pretty disturbing. If you look at the comments, there's a lot of people that chime in, and they kind of talk about, well, it's, you know, they didn't have the right hubcaps. I mean, I haven't studied it, you know, you know frame by frame, like the Zapruder film, right? But uh, for the most part, they did swap the car, right, obviously. In 64, you could imagine, you know, the, the 64 Lincoln was the brand new model, so whether they took one that was in an accident or, I mean, who knows where the 63 came from. Now, I've also read, and I think it was on YouTube. Yeah, there, there's a guy in here, and on here, his his uh, title is 27th Avenue under the uh, comment section. And he says, most of the locations in the scene were filmed in and around my neighborhood in Miami, a lot has changed in 64. He said, you know, he kind of goes on to say, you know, yada, 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 all this stuff. But there was someone else that had chimed in and that said that their family owned that uh, crusher or that junkyard. And, you know, they, they had substantiated something about it. Uh, this person says the car was crushed. Um, the car that was crushed had its engine, transmission, as you'd imagine, fuel tank, and everything not visible on camera removed, thus reducing the weight. Also, the crushed block that appears in the preceding scene is actually only half of the actual car crushed that it could easily fit into the bed of a falcon. If you look very closely at the scene where the claw lifts the car, which was actually a 63 Lincoln, not a 64 um, you know, obviously, which we've established that. Uh, it says, uh, look at the front grille. You can see uh, right through the car where they had have removed everything. So there's a few people that chime in on different comments with it, but it's a pretty cool scene to watch because of the fact that a 64 drives up, 63 gets crushed. I'm guessing back in the day, you know, most people didn't pick up on that in the movies because of the fact that the cars did... Uh, appeared so much the same. Now, some people have a hard time uh, telling. I, I know over the years, I've kind of scratched my head. I'm going, wait, is that a 61 or 2 or 3? But the 63, 64, easiest way for me to tell is the glass is flat on the 64s. Obviously, the grill gives it away. But um, depending on the angles of the car, you know, you're sometimes like, huh, what is that? But 
when the guy parks the car and walks away, you clearly see the grill is not a 64, and you see the glass is not flat. So uh, kind of thus giving away the fact that it is a 63. Then they they sh- they pan to a, a close-up shot. You see the grill, plain and simple, not the 64. And then the rest is, unfortunately, uh, pretty horribly ho- pretty horrible to watch. But... Again, if you're a Lincoln fan, you got to see it. It's just some one of those things that uh, that is interesting out there. All right, last couple of updates before we roll into John Lyman's from Stinkin' Lincoln, his audio. Smugglers Blues, you guys know that that's my 64 Lincoln Continental convertible. A lot of progress has been made over the past couple months, especially since Episode 7. Really... I got all the engine parts ordered. Everything was pretty much on the operating table, as I call it, over at uh, Boss Bowling Industries, or as some would say, in the catbird seat. Everything was pretty much ready to go for him and his dad to put the motor together. Okay, The vacuum harness, I basically took what Blair Farmer at Lincoln Continental Services in Clearwater had reproduced for me. So he can do that for you guys as well. He offers that service. He'll reproduce it. He'll also make a diagram if you go with his uh, harness that he'll recreate. He'll make a diagram for you, basically letting you know where everything goes. So for the most part, I have it all plugged in to the manifold on the firewall. And I just still need to dial in a few more things. I'll be out there this weekend. And basically what I need to do is just make sure that once it comes out of the manifold, that I have everything correctly going to the wiper uh, motor setup then over to the front passenger side vacuum harness or uh, vacuum canister, I should say, and just miscellaneous little items plugged in where they need to go. So more to come on that. Looking forward to it. Now, here are the issues that I've had. So I mentioned all the order, all the parts were ordered. Basically, I'm at Tony's shop. He's working on the 66 one day. His dad walks over and goes, hey, check your cam out. Well, the cam had been, we had ordered it, and all those parts had been sitting for three or four weeks. So here's a big public service Lincoln announcement for everyone. And I know some of you guys are going to say, yeah, you should have did that. Basically, I'm not an engine expert, right? I mean, I know about these motors. I don't put motors together. I mean, I've done some stuff before, you know, as far as head gaskets and all that stuff, you know. So I know about motors and stuff, but... You know, you order all these internal parts, and you're thinking, man, they're internal. These parts are strong. You know, why would you have to open each individual box for all of these parts? Well, Tony's dad comes over, opens up this little white just box that's super thin, lifts the cam out. It's in a plastic bag, and it has a green, like, mesh-type thing on it. So he goes, check this out. Boom, right down the middle, it's cracked. Like, are you kidding me? So the first thing I think of, well, you know, they're going to come back and they're going to say, well, you should have looked at everything, you know, day one. So go back to Falcon, who advertises on eBay, and I've kind of forged a relationship with the guy there in terms of, you know, his email address and kind of communicating with him there uh, via email. So go back through email and we start kind of going back and forth about, well, you know, what if it was dropped? You know, the engine shop could have dropped it, you know, this and that. And it's like, look, dude, th- these guys built 18-wheeler and Cummins motors all the time. 
they don't have time for dropping stuff. It's like, look, they want to get these motors put together and get them out of there. Okay, we got no time for that. So we kind of go back and forth. A few days go by. I hadn't heard from them, and I left to go to Missouri. So I'm up in Missouri, and I'm like, man, I need, you know, there's a few things I need left. Well, the day after Tony's dad showed me that, I got a call from Tony, and he said, hey, uh, Pops is telling me that the rings are not right. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I, I roll up there. His dad had already put all the rings back in the box. So he goes, well, let me take them out. He goes, look, you got three rings on the piston. The bottom and the middle ring are fine. He's like, the top ring pulls it out, puts it on the piston, and you could clearly see that it's just it's not right. Something's – I mean, I don't know enough about it to say I don't know if it's protruding too far, but you can clearly tell it's just not right. So basically now I've got a broken cam – and I have what appears to be a flaw, and at least on one of the rings, he tried all eight of those. So it's like, okay, what's going on, right? So, you know, the guy, Don, asks for photos of the box. He wants to see, you know, did we set on the wrong part, you know, whatever. Send all that. A couple days go by. Hadn't really heard. Well, I was up in Missouri for a charity car show and doing some promotion for my buddy. And I kind of got to thinking, I'm like, well, man. Tony's dad and Tony need to get these parts so they can get the motor back together so they can get it the hell out of their shop because it's right there where they put motors together. So I called, left on a voicemail, calls me back a couple hours later and says, look, cam is on its way. We're sending more rings. And then the other thing that had came up, so I'll talk about this in a second, is the freeze plug kit. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But So basically I'm like, okay, Got a cam coming, and at that point, I was toying around with, I called Tim Barnett over at uh, Barnett. Uh, you, you guys know who they are if you you know follow the podcast. Talk a little bit about them here and there, but on Instagram, just type in Barnett with two Ts. It's Barnett High Performance. So he's an engine builder up in Michigan, and they specialize in these uh, Mel Motors, the FE Motors, so on and so forth. So I was toying around at this point, like, I'm like, look, if they're going to charge me for another cam, I called Tim and I was like, man, how much do you guys just do a custom, you know, custom cam for make it, you know, sound a little bit, you know, better, get a little bit of performance. I mean, not a lot, but Hey, you know, anything helps on these motors if you want to hot rod them a little bit. So I kind of toyed around with that idea. Well, by the time Don tells me, dude, we're sending you another cam. I'm like, okay, well, let me talk to Tony's dad and Tony, see what they say. They're like, you know what, at this point, just go with the stock stuff, man. You know, we all know these cars aren't flying, you know, around. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if it sounded a little bit better, you know, you're going to do exhaust, going to do a couple little things here and there, it's board 30 over, might as well do it. But with the price point and everything I've already been through, I'm like, look, let's just get the motor back together and, and just move ahead, right? That's what my dad always said, moving ahead. So at that point, the only thing that was kind of outstanding was the Tony's dad had mentioned when I ordered the brass freeze plugs from Mark II, it did not come with galley plugs or cam plugs. So again, an engine builder like Tony and his dad, you know, they're putting this together. It's like no big deal. Like you just, you need to order all this stuff. Well, the kit didn't come with that. So, you know, I'm like, gosh, so Don emails me a photo of their freeze plug kit. So I get ready to order that, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I already ordered a freeze plug kit 
on top of the the brass freeze plugs I had ordered from Mark II Enterprises. So with that being said, when I got home from Missouri, I went into my stash and I'm like, okay, well here's the uh, you know, the standard freeze plug kit, and then boom, it had those other plugs that Tony's dad needed. So that was one thing off the list. So here's where the real craziness comes in. So you're like, okay, got the cam on order, got the rings. Get back from Missouri late, about 3 o'clock, I arrived home after my flight into St. Pete, Clearwater, and drive the drive over to where I live. Get home, I've got the champion radiator sitting, I've got the cam sitting on top of that, real nice and neat. Then I had a few other miscellaneous things I had purchased or ordered, including the the brown box that ultimately had the rings in it. So I didn't really think much of it. I'm not one to like rip boxes open as soon as I get home. I was like, look, I got other stuff to deal with. I got to unpack, get some other ducks in a row. Wife gets home later that night, and I said, hey, after she finished eating, I was like, listen, I'm going to go ahead and start this little video. I'm going to record this. Go ahead and take over holding the uh, the phone and let's record this because the first cam, the guy was like, dude, you know, trying to kind of kind of say, man, maybe you guys dropped it. And it's like, dude, we didn't drop it. So basically start recording, cutting the box open. I'm narrating it. I'm saying, listen, you know, here's the box. We haven't opened it. You can see you no know, tape has been cut, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just going to do this and I'm not even going to need it. But it's just insurance, right? Because what if that cam was broken? What if? And how am I going to explain that to this guy, right? It's going to be like, come on, there's no fucking way. Excuse my language. But so we're going, and I'm narrating, cutting the little deals, opening the box. You know, you get the brown box open, then you got the white box, which is the same box that the other one was in. Now, mind you, the other reason why I decided to do this, when I got home that day, I looked down at the box. I didn't move it. And it was a big gouge, like kind of in the side, right where you would think, like, man, if it was dropped there, it's probably broken. But I'm like, ah, what are the chances? So I proceed. I do my little narration. I'm doing it. I'm like, ah, we're probably not even going to need this, Dom, but we're just doing it. Blah, 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 blah. Open the white box. Got the green mesh. Grab it by both hands. Guess what? It is broken in the same exact spot cannot make this up so my frustration kicks in it's about a four minute video after i narrate this little deal immediately sit down start pounding on the keyboard this point is later in the day like he's probably already at home whatever now the good thing was he immediately before i even woke up the next day he had already emailed me like super early in the morning hey we apologize we're going to take care of this and he then did ask for a side-by-side photo of both of the cams. Like, I guess for two reasons. One, if they're going to try to fight it with UPS, totally get it. Or two, he could be like, well, dude, this guy could be pulling a swerve on me. He could have, you know, the first one's broken. And, I mean, who would even go through all that for a cam? It's like, dude, I want my motor together. I'm not trying to, like, scam a cam at this point, right? So, anyways, boom. I go get the other one out of my truck that had been sitting in there since Boss Bowling Industries. Bring that one, sit it down, boom, picture side by side, both of them literally in the exact same spot. They're cracked. So a few people in the Lincoln Forum, I think one person commented and someone else mentioned to me, they're like, man, you know, this internal part, you know, you think that it's hardened and it just wouldn't break. And 
And I guess the way like a cam is, you know, it's it's by itself, like many parts, and Blair always says this, a part by itself is sometimes not as strong as you would think, but a part that's bolted to other parts or that's internally and it's got, you know, the force of the different internal motor parts is way stronger. So I don't know. I don't know how uh, how often, you know, cams break like that. The one assurance that I had gotten was from Tim Barnett at Barnett High Performance. When I was up in Missouri, I had called them to talk about maybe a custom cam. And I told him what had happened, and he said, yo, he's like, Jason, you got to get on the phone with Don. He goes, we have dealt with them before. And he goes, the same thing happens. He goes, you would not believe. He's like, even customers that buy our custom cam and have to mail back their core to us, he's like, if they're not wrapped good, they break. So, you know, even hearing Tim Barnett at Barnard High Performance, even hearing him say that, that was a little bit of assurance to me that, okay, it does happen, and other people have seen it as well. So I'm still waiting. It's Friday. Uh, as of posting this podcast, I'm still waiting for the cam to arrive. Again, you know, let them know on Monday. They shipped it on Tuesday. So hopefully, and I asked them, please, sh- please package it better. I mean, that's what they need to do. Uh, they're wasting money if they're not going to get kickback from UPS. And uh, at, the, at some point, somebody's losing money, and it's not going to be me. So uh, this next one, I can bet your bottom dollar that I'm not going to touch the box. I'm literally going to walk out there recording, and I'm probably going to cut the box open right there and either have my little stand set up or have the wife hold the phone while I cut the box open. And I'm going to say, dude, it was left right here. And I have not touched this damn thing. So if the third one's broken, dude, I don't know. I'm just going to say refund for the cam and I'm going to go somewhere else. I mean, that would just be insane. So with that being said, there's a lot of updates there, a little bit longer than I thought. I also wanted to mention, oh, auto blog or on Twitter, the real auto blog altogether They had a post the other day about the 2020 Lincoln Corsair. It was revealed uh, with a baby aviator look. Um, So it looks pretty cool. Uh, I continue to see Lincoln with the newer models trying to probably appeal to, which many of us know, they're trying to probably expand, uh, you know, their their appeal to other type of, uh, you know, uh, consumers, if you will. We, We, a lot of us love the newer Lincoln, but, Last I had checked, the sales are not crazy on it. So, you know, they got to sell cars to make money, and the, this little Corsair kind of SUV crossover type deal looks pretty cool. So, uh, we'll see how the sales end up in 2019 and then into 2020 as some of these newer models are refreshed and whatnot, or the, the, these new uh, models are, are announced. But with that being said, everybody have a fantastic weekend. Thank you for subscribing to Lincoln Attic Podcast. Hopefully, you guys enjoy my rambling. If you don't, then I don't know what to say, but uh, I love these cars. And if you're looking for a car, reach out to me. I'll help you find one. We, If you're looking to sell your car, I've got a good rate to help market it. So just reach out to me. And uh, I would just tell everybody, stay on the rise, as Tony always says. And we'll hit you back hopefully next week with episode nine. Enjoy this audio from Stinkin' Lincoln. That's John Lyman. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook as well. So you'll hear his information. Look him up. Follow him. He's a good dude. And uh, we'll talk soon, everyone. We out of here. ODB, the Lincoln Attic. Peace. (laughs) 
Hey, hey, it's Jason, the Lincoln Addict, and as I mentioned, we've got uh, a guest on, John Lyman from Stinkin' Lincoln. How's it going, John? Pretty good. How are you? Everything is good, man. I appreciate the hospitality. I got a chance to meet you a couple years ago, and you know we've been talking on the Lincoln Forum and Facebook as well over the years, and you've built this cool business, and I always enjoy seeing the stuff you got going on. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself before we talk about your business? Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of, like any kid, you know, you grow up wanting a, want an old car like Dad had. And my dad had a 67, still has a 67 Buick Skylark he's had since I was a kid, for one. And it's uh, just one of those things, I uh, find an old car, we'll fix it up for, you know, by the time you're 16. So, I mean, I was every time that car made a noise, I hear it out of the driveway, I was downstairs in the car, in the seat next to him going for a ride. So I wanted my own car, naturally, and... Uh, just happened to be a 67 Continental Coupe. Uh, showed up when I was 12. So I started cutting grass. And about two years later, I finally uh, had $500. To, and the car was going downhill pretty fast and on the side of a road. Um, everyone told me it was a rust bucket. I didn't believe them. I didn't care. It was a two-door. It was a hard top. It was big. And it was cheap. So uh, I didn't know anything about Lincolns. I didn't even know what it was. I'd never seen one before. But I was like, hey, it's big. It's old. It's got to be in the 60s. Found out it was a Continental. I uh, didn't know anything about suicide door cars because we were more of a GM family, old Buick kind of uh, people. Um, so one day, my parents surprised me, took my cash, and my uncle had a flatbed and towed it home, and I was kind of hooked from there. Um, then I just found another one, you know. I, I found some parts online, and I knew people that were derbying them. I would take parts, buy parts cheap, and keep them for myself. And one thing led to another, then a parts car. I found a guy in Pittsburgh that was selling all kinds of stuff. I bought a parts car for him. Then someone saw my parts car and said, hey, I got another one of those. So I bought that one. Uh, but it probably took from, I'd say, between ninth grade when I bought the car up until I started really getting into it after uh, I was in college. So in the summers, that's basically what I spent my time doing was cutting grass and buying parts, not intending to sell anything ever. Um, then I got married and uh, after college, and, and someone else saw another car that I had bought. Uh, and uh, he said, I got one of those in the garage down the street. So I went and bought it. It was a 64 <laughs> convertible. Uh, so from there, I was definitely hooked because I was into 66 sevens only because that was the style of my first car. I already had three of them, plus parts from numerous. And one thing led to another, like I said before. And uh, now I had to collect 64 to 67 stuff. And then more parting out more cars, selling some stuff to buy more parts. And it turned into eventually just part-time. It turned into a really lucrative business for me because I was able to fund my addiction yes. and uh, buying stuff and reselling and buying more. And I said, man, if I need, I, I, said, I probably can't afford the 66, seven stuff anymore. I'm going to keep my <laughs> 64. I'm going to focus on that car. Start selling the 66, seven stuff. And I was blown away by what I was getting mm -hmm. for stuff and people needed it. And people were calling me like John Brewer is one of my first customers. I don't really? know how he knew I had the uh, black leather back seat in perfect shape, but he needed one. <laughs> he calls me up. I'm like, I don't even, I think from the Lincoln forum is how he found Because I was on there like from day one. Definitely. Yeah. I, I know you've been on there a long a time. A long time. And even before that was the Ford Mel Engine forum or whatever it was. Their yes. old, old site. Looks I like remember it's from that. like 30 years ago. Um, I was on that when they transitioned to the new one as well. So yeah, between those two sites, that's, I lived on those two sites forever. I mean, people I, people I can think of their names whatever their screen, screen name is name on there. Is. Now I know who they really are on Facebook and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> you, think, you, know, you don't know who people are behind their fake names. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So I've actually, I've known a lot of people a really long time that I'm still connected with today, uh, which is kind of cool. Now I'm in business. So, well, I remember Googling years ago. It, it's funny. 10 years ago this month, I got my first Lincoln in terms of ownership. I remember Googling and landing on some of those old sites that are kind of, it was remnants of it, the Mel uh, sites where they talked a lot about engines and things like that. You mentioned the Lincoln Forum. I've given them a shout out before, of course, LincolnForum.net. It's a great place. Even though social media is really on the rise, so to speak, it, it the Lincoln Forum is awesome, isn't it? The connections that you can make with people, but also the documentation is what I love. Yeah, that's where it started, if you ask me. I mean, that and... It is the LCOCs. Basically, it's their forum. I mean, yeah. kind of like their plus, the only thing they have. So when I joined LCOC, it was the LincolnForum.net was my only place to go to get stuff on the internet for these cars. And I found mm-hmm. so much information. It was all stored there. It's always going to be there. You know, but Facebook's nice for in the moment, you know, because it's really hard to find stuff on Facebook. You can't really like save it like you can now, but not like you used to. Sure. You wanted some good information. You went that what? back to the forum, the Lincoln forum, to see what people had posted and like Anthony Cerami and all of them. Uh, just find all those old articles and it was easy to find. It was nice. And you always ask a question and a couple of days would be answered by bombarded people. Now you ask a question on Facebook, it's instant. Yeah. But the documentation is not as good, I, I don't think. So I still go back to the Lincoln forum. Yeah, and Facebook's a little different too on the the phone aspect is easy, but then you can't search. Last I checked, you can't search as easy as like on a computer and so on and so forth. But when you think of like how you've grown this, you know, I'll call you, you know, you're, you got a small business that you've grown and you've done really well over the years. And as you mentioned, you've been able to kind of uh, take care of your addiction, right? Because a lot of us do get a, a addicted to these Lincolns and parts and the next sale and the next, you know, parts car and whatnot. But what do you find the most joy out of these cars in terms of like the ownership of it? Well, like, like I said, when I was a kid, it was just like having a big ass car. It was a two door hardtop. I didn't know anything about the Lincolns, but when I found that '64, <laughs> I knew I was like, if I ever found a convertible, it's going to be a '64 because I love the lines. I said I love everything about that car. I learned that they were a little bit longer than the '61 two and threes. I didn't like the extension panel on the back of '61 two and three for a long time. Now I'm in love with them. It just takes me a long time to grow into something. But '64, <laughs> I knew the first time I saw one of those online. Never even seen one in person. And then uh, when I walked through that garage door for that 64 convertible, I was just, it was better than I ever could imagine. So I was like, these cars are, I'll never get rid of it. I'll be in this forever. They're so. definitely iconic. And we've seen more and more people want to get into these. Like John Cashman recently told me that even after the Jay Leno garage, Jay Leno's garage, he gets calls from people going, ah, you know, I want a, I want a slab, you know, I want a convertible. And they are very iconic. We went out to lunch today. We drove in yours and, we you know get thumbs up. You see people stop and whatnot. But when you think of the future of these cars, like where do you see some of these convertibles in a few years? Do you see the younger generation continuing to purchase them up, or what's your uh, you know foresight there? I see. I mean, you, you see how it's been. I've been in business officially two and a half years, but I've been parting, collecting parts for almost twenty years since '99, basically. Um, I didn't know anything about it till I hit. The Lincoln Forum was okay. I was like, yeah, it's just like when you go to a Lincoln show, there's not that many 60s Lincolns. Sure. It's all Lincolns. But when I found, you know, started researching on Facebook with these groups and suicide slabs, I was like, holy shit. I was like, this yes. is... Yes. I said, this is insane. There was only maybe like uh, eight or 900 people in the club when I joined or something mm-hmm. like that. Three years, four years ago, whatever it was. Uh, now suicide it's over 3,000, I think. Oh, yeah, way over 3,000. 
It's owners only. So I was like, this is great, owners only. Sure. And I was basically looking for an outlet to post some parts. You know, I was like, this isn't working out, just posting on my page because no one knows me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lincoln Forum is very slow. I guess it takes days for anyone to get back to you. And there's not a very big crowd there. I said, but man, a a 60s continental only crowd? Uh, What Richard Richard did was, uh, and uh, whoever else started that with him, Psycho Psycho did, yeah. I mean, it was a a really good idea. I wish I would have thought of this years ago because it's such a good outlet. And uh, it's blown up so big. I don't think it's one of those clubs. I don't think they're gonna go anywhere mm-hmm. because it's so specialized and the cars are getting so popular. And most of the people are young. I mean, they're not. There's older guys in there, sure. but that's LCOs is more like the older guys, and you know, because sure. the younger guys like me were kind of like mm-hmm. really nothing for me here. In fact, when I was a kid, I said because my car was so rusty, my coupe. I said I'm gonna roll the rockers. I'm gonna lower i'm gonna put a 68 bumper on you know i'm gonna get rid of the backup lights in the parking lot. yeah i said i'll just do some cool i'll put a 460 in it and then i bought a 460 never put it in because as soon as i bought it, i found out about the tri-power i'm just like you know I said, these cars are crazy said, these things are just <laughs> so cool i was like there's so many cool things we could do with them i said i'll never get rid of this this thing and that's kind of how i got hooked and all but when i found suicide slabs it was like find a bunch of people just like me Mm-hmm. Don't care if it's custom. You can appreciate a stock car too. Sure, we're all owners only. We're all talking about the same damn thing. It's not like we're talking about a guy who owns a Nova wants to understand Fords and this and that. Uh, and you can ask anybody anything on there, and uh, it's it, I don't know, it's great. But yeah, I see the future of these cars, especially. I mean, with, with there's so many of them out there now. I think there ever would have been if it weren't for something like Suicide Slabs and the internet and the group that we have. It's insane. It's thousands. I think have just popped up out of the woodwork. In the last four or five years, that would never have been found if it weren't for that club. I believe you're, stuff. yeah, and I believe you're spot on. What I think is intriguing is we continue to see this every few years. There's like you know the, these different trends, right? So the cars I've been around airbag cars for a long time, and the airbags are super popular. And now we're kind of getting into this with these fabrication shops that, like you know, the Jeff Davies at Devious Customs and, and so many others that are able to do these motor swaps, whether you want to just go newer with the Coyote. We're seeing even some crazier stuff with the LSs and things like that. There's even one guy that I know of that has the Hemi. There might be two, but I know there's at least one. I've seen his his car before. But it almost seems like, you know, many of us thought years ago that eventually the steering pumps were going to dry up. It's like how many more steering pumps can, can really turn up as extras, right, without the cores. But now... Like, I talked to Jeff maybe about a year ago, and he's like, man, if you lived out here, I'd just give you a 430, you know, because they're pulling, yanking these things out. So I almost see, like, the resto mod side of it continue to increase with these guys doing this Colorado Custom Wheels, newer drivetrain, and some of the newer electronics, but it overall has the the look and the aesthetics of what Detroit really wanted. Yeah, for sure. And definitely making it more reliable because <laughs> uh, <laughs> God knows even my good cars are, I mean, you drive them around too long, something's going to happen. But, um, I mean, I'll never get in. I mean, I'm going to say never, but not right now. I can't get into modern Rusto mod stuff because I'm more just focused on parts. Sure. And getting cars that are good, get back on the road with their original drivetrains. But uh, it's a dream, yeah, for sure. I'd love to get in one just like my wife's Yukon or my truck just in an LS and just take off and never have to worry about it breaking <laughs> down. Um, I do fear that, though. That's the thing. It's just like if I take this thing cross-country, what's going to happen? i got to take two carburetors with me, five coils, <laughs> you know, fuel pumps, all kinds of crap. It seems like that, but I, I think, you know, to your point, because, you know, you and even your father helps a lot, um, you know, you guys kind of tag team on some of these cars and – what I think think is interesting is in the back of the day, you know, you could drive it from 
you know, east to west coast. But to your point, when they become 50, 55-year-old cars, they've got some things that unless you want to replace everything, you're going to have some hiccups here and there. Yeah, you need this. And that's cost a fortune, as we all know, to replace everything on a Lincoln and make it do again. Costs more than it's probably worth, <laughs> right. you know, in the end. So you got to really love your car to do that. Sometimes in the end, I bet it is cheaper just go more modern, you know, just the way it is. But uh, I think the idea is just to keep the cars on the road, preserve them. Next guy I don't like, you can always put the original engine back in. It's not like it's a big deal, uh, if you ask me. Yeah. And they got big. You know, what's crazy, too, is they have huge engine bays. Like, we see these newer cars. The engine bays are so small. And it's pretty cool. Like, I have a 79 Dually. Some of you guys know I'm a huge Dually fan. And you open that up, and it's got a 454 in there, and it's like you've got all the room in the world, you know, whether you want to do a motor swap or whatnot. So for the Lincolns, I think the biggest thing is like with the unibody construction and the front, the way the front subframe is, if you will, it just, it was a little tricky. It wasn't like, you know, a Chevy where you could just dump a 350 in or an LS. It took a little bit of time for people to like figure out exactly like, okay, cut here, here, and here. Bolt these engine mounts in, boom, the motor's in. So yeah, there's a lot more to it than just like a, like a Chevy. Just change motor mounts, put a big block <laughs> yes. in, change motor, put a small block in. You know, yeah, definitely not like that with these, but it will be someday. I think definitely. someday it will be. You know, at the Devious uh, Customs was making LS swap yes, kits, LS you know. Coyote, and then I know Deviant. Sorry, Deviant is. Uh, oh yeah, he is as well. He's doing and the Coyote then, and Devious does the LS. And Eric at Little Shop is is kind of dabbling and all that. You know, really growing his parts business too. So. Uh, let's change the subject to you have a beautiful 64 Lincoln. I remember seeing photos of it, the sedan, and the car was like an all-original car. It was inside for years and years and years, and when I saw the photos, I was like, wow. I think it still had the stuff on the seats. It had seat covers on it. Seat yeah. covers on it. Yeah. So tell the listeners a little bit about that find, if you will, and like that car overall. It's one of those bucket list cars. Again, it's a 64, so I'm already hooked. That's my favorite year. Um, I just already have my convertible. Uh, I have a 64, my original one. I bought another one, a gray one. I sold to a guy in New York. We got rid of that about a year ago. Um, Then I bought my convertible, my airbag convertible from locally. Then this 64 sedan shows up after buying some other cars. And uh, the timing was right. I had the money. The price was good. Uh, a cousin of mine heard about it at work through a worker. A guy at work said, hey, I have a boat. I want to see pictures. He goes, well, I like boats. Let me take a look. <laughs> so uh, he goes, oh, it's a Lincoln. He goes, yeah. He goes, my cousin, my wife's cousin does those out in Pittsburgh. He's like, well, it's for sale. Go, you know, tell him I want to, you know, whatever for it. So uh, I said, well, I said, it looks pretty nice. He says, yeah, he says, I think it's all original. Uh, his, his grandfather owned it new. I said, all right. He said, here's his number. Just call him. I said, all right. So I called, drove down there. Pouring down rain, I was like, "Well, I'm not bringing this thing home today." If, right, if it, right. You know. But it was having some issues. The starter was the points were bad, so the starter wasn't working. Uh, you know, he burned the starter up trying to start it all the time. But it ended up being the you know he thought maybe the carburetor was there. He put plugs and wires on, but he didn't do the points, so that was the issue. I said, "But he drove it to your house. I understand it was in a warehouse. You drove it to your house, so I could look at it. I know the car runs and drives. It looks pristine. It's never been touched. The only thing that's been painted was the quarter panel on the driver's side because uh, Grandma." Uh, Scrape the pool one in a parking lot with it. But other than that, it's all original paint. So what, 90, 90% original paint, maybe more. Uh, it's a silver sand metallic with a white, a pearl white beige interior. Um, the unique thing about it though is it's my bucket list car. It's got everything in it. It's got every option but tilt column. It's got bucket seats. You got AM FM, uh, trunk release, limited slip axle. I mean everything. Uh, I forget what it has. Everything AC and it has the cool interior, the seats. Yeah, it has the bucket seats. Uh, it's a or cloth and leather. The but cloth, yeah, the cloth yeah, and leather. Yeah, it's a Versailles cloth. 
Uh, but it's just a beautiful car. It's preserved so well. It's never been outside. It's never been left outside. They drove it to Florida once for vacation, and it spent the rest of its miles, it only has 25,000 miles, in the town that it was bought in. Uh, the original owner owned the dealership, so he had the guess he just ordered the car up really well. And uh, him and grandmother drove it. Grandma gave it to the son. Uh, the son gave it to his kid. And now his kid now being like maybe like in his 40s, his son didn't want it. His the son was 16. <laughs> yeah. Free for the taking, didn't want it. So we settled on a price. His lowest was my highest. So I said, shake my hand. I said, we're, yep. we're done. So I brought that sucker home. And I told, I dragged it up because, you know, uh, on the trailer, brought it in. Rolled it in the garage, changed the starter, put electron ignition on. The carburetor was clean. I had the carburetor checked. It said nothing wrong with this carburetor. Um, I just put the electron ignition on, and instead of messing with points, and the thing fired right up, and I drove up and down the road just like he said it drove before. Perfect. He said, I used the car for the last 30-some years, once a, once a year in a parade. Damn. That's it. Otherwise, it stayed in the garage. It's been in for 50-some years. Yeah, it's a beautiful car, man. I love the color, love the interior. I also like, as you mentioned, the cruise control. You don't see that a lot on the 64s. So, you know, to see that right there on the dash, on the, like, the right side of the steering wheel is pretty dang cool. Yeah, different. Yeah, every year they did something a little different with the cruise control. But, yeah, 64 is like a little lever. You go slide up and down. I don't even know how to use it, honestly. I have to look. <laughs> I, I tried. I don't think it worked. I don't know. But uh, everything else still works on the car. I mean, I said, everything works, right? Said, yeah. I think it even blows air, air conditioning works, and the windows all work. I'm like, really? And there's no rust. There's no rust. I said, I can't believe this. So I saw the pictures. I was like, well, it looks like a nice car. So it's probably, it had to have been painted. Nope. No, it's never been painted. That's the original paint. That's the original chrome. Never been restored. I was like, wow. this is It's like a unicorn. Of, it is. It's like the thing you never, yeah, you dream about finding a car like this. And I'm really glad I found it, and it's kind of maybe for sale, but not really, because I don't <laughs> want to get rid of it. My dad tells me, he's like, that's the car to keep. You know, get rid of that bag convertible. It's an ugly airbag convertible. He hates it. Um, that car only has 30,000 miles, so I'm addicted to that one, too. I'm like, it's a convertible, so I'm going to sell my original 64 convertible uh, just because I can't have all this stuff. And you know, But uh, I think I'm going to keep the airbag green one and this original 64 sedan. Just don't tell my wife. <laughs> I'm only allowed to We're going to make sure she's not listening to yeah. this. So, okay, tell us a little bit about, so thanks, That's the, this car you just explained is awesome. That's the sedan. Now, we went to lunch today, and I've seen for about a year you've had the green convertible out there. So it's a stark contrast, but in my book, it is still an awesome car, and, and a lot of us from our age group would agree because it's airbagged and all yep. that, so tell us about it. It's got the gangster whites and bags, and what's on top of us? What else can you? I mean, what else could someone like me dream about? It's like it is my dream car. I mean, I love a stock original car. I would never bought a I bought an airbag kit and put it on a convertible just because I never thought I'd like it. I never drove an airbag car. You said you've been around sure. airbags your whole life. Oh, yeah, I have. And you live by them and say, yeah, yeah, but I'm like, I can't imagine that. Right? Yeah. So that hasn't now been that your I have tank. one, I, I I'm hooked. I love. I, I always love to have an airbag car in this garage and a stock one. But uh, long story short, on this car. A friend, a mutual friend at work. I was a landscape contractor a long time ago for a business down in uh, about an hour from here, and uh, the grass cutter had a friend, and I saw, and he friended me on Facebook, whatever. So he had a buddy, and I saw this airbag '64 convertible. I'm like, you have a friend with a Lincoln? He goes, oh yeah, he's one of my VW friends. I says, all right, well, you know, get us connected. I said, I wasn't in business or nothing, but I had a '64 convertible already at this time, and uh, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, and he never did. So I guess somehow he found, got a hold of me, 
needing a headlight switch or something. And we just kind of kept, you know, he never ended up buying one. He just kind of kept the car around. Uh, so eventually, six years later, he gets a hold of me and says, hey, I remember you like these Lincolns and you're local. I want to I wanna sell that co- uh, convertible. I said, well, what about it? I said, well, tell me the story. Like, I've never seen it in person. Can we meet up? He's like, yeah, we'll go to Cars and Coffee with all the exotic cars and ruin it. He's like, bring your convertible. So I brought my, I had a 66 convertible that Jason had ridden in uh, two years ago when he was here. And uh, so I took that and he took his and, you know, we're the only two old cars in an exotic car show, but it was fun. Uh, I was blown away by this car. I mean, I saw was pictures of it and uh, you'll see some photo shoot of it on, from stance works mm-hmm. oh they uh, there's did a photo shoot from 2013 i think december 13 uh of this car when it was first built now was that i'm trying to think because i know one of their i have to go back and look i know one of their features was under a big tree yeah but that might have been a black one no that's this that, oh it is that it car. Is. it's so dark green it looks black oh all my pictures i would have never known that. it's actually green but as that's soon as you car. said that, I know that feature. That's, the, that that's one of the only old cars they've actually ever featured. They usually do newer, sure. modern cars, you know. Um, but, yeah, if you dig down there on their Instagram or their Facebook, whatever, around December 2013, that car would have had a photo shoot. And uh, that was that was the car. So I was just kind of blown. I was like, this car must be nicer than I think it is. You know, I'm thinking convertible PA. It's got to be a rust bucket. He just did a cheap, crappy job on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw it, I was blown away. And... Uh, 30,000 miles, the original 30,000 mile car. The car came from New York. It was white with a white top, and the original has the original interior, but the top's been changed to a, like a khaki color, and the paint's dark, dark green. And uh, he told me it was his uncle's car, not from New York, but once it ended up in Pennsylvania, sometime in the 80s, I guess. He used it for parades, whatever, had fun with it. Uh, gave it to a, uh, sent it to a shop to get restored. I believe okay. he wanted it painted back to white, and then they wanted to sell the car for like, it was like $9,000 of work. They're going to sell it for 12000 or something. He was going to make three grand or something. Right. This is like an early, early 90s. And uh, I guess uh, what happened was, what used the story is, the shop stole the car. They closed down, boarded the place up. He's mm. been calling. They don't answer. He goes by. The place is boarded up. He's starting to worry. Looks inside, sees his car in there, breaks in, tries to start his car and get it out. But I think the battery or something was out of it. So he couldn't start it. So he left evidence that he had broken in, maybe broke a window or busted a door open or something. So they took the car and moved it outside somewhere with the front windows down for a number of years. Mm -hmm. He never saw it again. Um, Then someone he was talking to about Lincoln's had one and said, hey, I bought a carburetor off a parts car in the penny saver. He goes, well, where is it at? He goes, outside the ball fields down in Cannonsburg. Uh, I think it was like a tarp over it or something. Um, he goes, oh, really? So he goes down there. Sure enough, that's his car. No so way. So he finds it years later. Uh, not in as good a shape as when he dropped it off, obviously. Um, the seats are, were, he said the seats were perfect. Now they're all kind of etched from moisture yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, the chrome's dull from it being outside, you know, that kind of thing, uh, pitted. Uh, the roof was starting to decay a little bit. But there was never any uh, issues with the floors are still solid as a rock. I don't know how. It must have had it covered. Uh, but either way, still no rot on this car whatsoever. Uh-huh. He stole the car back immediately, put it in his garage. Because he has the title. Years. Yeah, he, I guess he never turned into insurance is my guess. But I guess either he didn't have insurance on it because he had it in the shop. Maybe sure. just, you know, canceled yeah, it that while happens. it's getting fixed. Because people did that stuff back in. You take your insurance off in the wintertime when you weren't mm-hmm. driving your car to save 20 bucks or whatever. So he still had the title, yes. Stole the car back, left it in the garage, and it sat there for 20 years on blocks. It never moved. Wow. So he left it to his son. His son wanted nothing to do with it. Sold it to his cousin who was inquiring about it for $1,000. 
This is back in 2012, 2013. Okay. So, so the kid bought the, and this is all in that StanceWorks uh, thing too. Uh, if you read the article, a lot of this is in there. Um, but it gets more interesting later because I have a little more history to add to it. Okay. Um, he buys for a thousand bucks, so he had money to really punt, put into this car. So he bagged, bagged it. it, put a new top on, called cash, and walked up through some of the top stuff. Everything worked. It just needed juice. He said everything. It just needed better power. He's like, so he put a good battery in it, and everything started coming to life. Uh, he drove it only 850 miles in the f- six years or seven years that he had wow. it. Wow! So he bagged it immediately, put the big gangster white walls on it, uh, drove it around, blew a water pump or something, uh, replaced that, redid the radiator, a few th- cool things, redid the uh, carburetor's been rebuilt, and uh, very few other things, uh, aside from the airbag suspension stuff getting put on, and the new top, new khaki uh, cloth style top. Um, other than that, in carpet. Uh, and he hasn't done anything else to it. It's been pretty much all original otherwise. Drove it 850 miles and really only drove it like once a year. Mm-hmm. It's like this other car for a number of years. Never had time for it. Sat in his garage. He wanted his Audi in the garage. Like, I'm tired of that. I want this car out of here. Wow. I want the Audi in the garage again. So he called me up. That's when we was saying like six years later when I finally got to see the car. I was hooked. I said, dude, I got them. I said, I, I, luckily I had the money then too. I had just sold. Uh, how did I just sell? I guess my 66 convertible. So I bought that and a 62 sedan first. So I was like, oh, I don't have enough money. But we came to an agreement. I was like, okay, I have enough money. So uh, I had two new cars at the time. Mm-hmm. So I sold the 62 as fast as I could to someone who was looking for one in New Zealand, which gave me money to make sure I could secure this car. Sure. And uh, then do anything it might have needed or whatever. So uh, long story short, uh, I've been working on the car. It had some issues, uh, lower control arm bushings falling out because they didn't put the spacers in right and a couple other things. Uh, got the car lined. Uh, it's everything's good now. I've been driving it all summer long. It blew a, a brand new top line. He did new top stuff too. Uh, that blew, but that was a manufacturer defect. Um, but other than that, so come December, I put it in the World of Wheels uh, car show, which is like a circuit they do all across the United States. So I always take two cars. I took two last year, so I took this and my uh, ratty ass '63. I'm selling sedan. I took those down there, and this group of guys comes up. And they go, man, this looks like Craigie's car, Craigie's dad's car. <laughs> They're like, but I don't remember those tires. That roof's different. He's like, where'd you get this car? I said, well, it came from a kid in Mount Lebanon. He goes, no, that's not it. He's like, but the color's right, you know? He's like, well, there's probably a lot of these or something. Uh-huh. I said, well, the car was in Cannonsburg. He goes, no shit. There's like four of these dudes here. And they're on there maybe like in their 40s. And I'm like, well, why Why are you asking? Who's Craigie? He goes, this was Craigie's dad's car. I said, well, was it in a garage for 20 years? He goes, yeah. He's like, we used to party in this car. He's like, this is our hangout <laughs> in Craig's dad's garage. He's like, we hung out all through high school, college in the summers. He's like, we hung out in this car. He's like, cool. they spoke pot. They told me all their stories. <laughs> Girls in the backseat. They, they you're like, okay. <laughs> it was a party's car. I was like, so you're responsible for all these scratches and dents. <laughs> He goes, probably. <laughs> he goes, I don't remember half the time we were down there. He's like, uh, but yeah, that, we partied in this car. I said, well, you guys, at least you didn't destroy it. I said, because the patina that's on it is so, sure. it's just, it's not too much, but it's not bad either. There's scratches and you can see the red, you know, original red primer coming through. You yeah. see the white paint coming through in some spots and it's just right. And there's no smash fenders. There's no, you know, big ho- rust holes anywhere. Uh, it's just a awesomely preserved car. And uh, even though it is has a little beat up in the wrong paint color, but I love the dark green. I think it's the best thing they could have done for that car. And unfortunately, I think it being stolen was good for the car because it led. It, that's the path it took to lead to here. 
And now it will be preserved forever with me. There's no way nothing ever happened. Uh, yeah, three keywords. It. It's just right. When you see it, I I like it because of the the patina is you know what simple right called the patina look of it. It's airbagged, so for most of us, you know, who doesn't like a low Lincoln? And then oh, by the way, it's a convertible. The interior again, I I like it too because it has that rustic patina type feel to it. You know, so that's this car. Tell us about the other sixty four convertible you have. The original one I bought was the first 64 convertible was the one I bought uh, when I, after I got married. I found it, and the guy said, hey, come out and I have one. I, he thought it was a 61, that being a 64, so I was hooked. Uh, but that was my first convertible. So I still have had it maybe nine years. I got married nine years, so like eight years maybe, and uh, eight and a half years. So it's at my parents' house next to my dad's Buick that I grew up with. And then my okay. 67 coupe is outside under a tree because it's just a <laughs> Um but I still have that car too. Coops on the rise. Yeah, yeah Coop, that one's on or the downfall. That one's on the downfall. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's there. Uh, I started doing work to it. You know, uh, it ran and drove and everything. But I think one of the rot linkages was disconnected. So they used to pull a string on the carburetor <laughs> to drive. This is in farm country where I bought it from. Uh, to move it in and out of the garage. They said, "Yeah, nice. someone's still on the fender." And just my buddy would just pull the pull the string just enough to give it gas, and I just steer it. They would pull it in and out for parties. That was like in a four car garage with a twenty nine Chevy. A uh, '69 short bed step side, and a heavy duty '74 Pontiac. Yeah, and the guy had a whole bunch of old cars. But then that one garage door, I drove by this place for two years, and every day, it's a four door garage, beautiful wooden doors, has pillars in front of it. It's just a freestanding garage, all by itself, detached, nowhere near the house, in the middle of the grass, no driveway to it. And well, I'm like, oh, it's probably just filled with farm crap like everything else around here you know sure. tractors and shit and uh one day the doors open i see the hd pontiac trans am like a 74 or something I'm like hmm. like maybe there is cars in that another, <laughs> day, another doors open it's a 29 chevy but the one door it never opened was that link was the one the lincoln was in it never <laughs> opened ever 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 so uh i had a 66 coupe with bucket seats i had bought out for i was going to work on that instead of my 67 coupe so i had it at my in-laws down the street and the guy came up the driveway to pay for some drywall work that my father-in-law did and said, hey, I got this uh, 61 convertible. Uh, it's not mine, but it's my boss's, and I'm his power of attorney. He's on his deathbed. He needs to get rid of all the stuff he has before uh, his estranged wife takes over. <laughs> he never divorced his wife like 30 years ago. So uh, he's on his deathbed, and uh, he's like, I I I'll tell you how much I pay for it. I think everyone knows. He's like, well, how about three thousand dollars? I said, well, I said it's probably a rust bucket. I said, but let me take a look because I know sure. cars up here are junk, you know, especially convertibles. I said, but it'd be that for parts. Sure. So I think about parts, you know, I'm like maybe I can use this money to fix my '66 up. And uh, I went look at it. I'll be damned. It was a nice '64. I mean, not perfect, but it was nice. And it was a '64. I was like, it's my favorite year. He's like twenty five hundred bucks. I said, you got a deal, man. <laughs> so he know? went from three to twenty five hundred. He just said twenty five hundred. Just, just oh, I see. I just went in and looked at. It. He's like. Twenty five hundred bucks, he'll take it. And you're like, forget about it. Yeah, I'm like, would you do twenty two hundred dollars? He's like, no. Yeah. I said twenty five. I said, all right, twenty five is a good deal. <laughs> but I'm just blown away. And what color is it? It's an off white. Uh, oh shit, what are they call? I used to think it was called Desert Sand, but it's not. Uh, it's just, it's not white, white. It's not sure. the women in white or whatever Arctic white. It's the Navajo beige or whatever they call. And it. And what about the interior? The interior is a matching beige interior as well. Same Got color. It. I think they call it uh, light beige. Is all they called it. Uh, bench seat. Stripped down car. The only thing it has is a 311 gears uh, with a limited slip axle and AC and tinted glass. Those are the only options it had. 
Um, but it was a nice car. Overall, not a little patch panel here or there from just salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the floors are, you know, pretty good. The trunk lid's perfect. I didn't know anything about trunk lids back then. <laughs> and this one's perfect. Now I'm like, I'm lucky to have this Definitely. good trunk lid. Um, but everything worked. You know, brakes worked. Uh, you know, fans turned on. Everything. I just didn't run it because I knew it probably had the original timing change mm-hmm. to her. We're nylon from reading on the Lincoln forum. Sure. For years. Don't start these cars without changing <laughs> that stuff. Uh, we t- pulled the cooling system. My dad had the radiator rebuilt for my birthday one year, uh, so we were going to take all that stuff out. He started painting things. I was in college and also just married in a way. Oh, no, no, I was away. I was married just after I got married. But anyways, I had lived two hours away doing landscaping. And uh, so he did stuff to it here and there. Uh, water pump rebuilt by Tim Neal uh, down in Florida. Then uh, we started putting it back together, and I was like, oh, we do the timing set. So that's kind of where it stopped because life got busy. Sure. I got. I was just married. I was living two hours away. I was never home. You had kids. Car sat. Well, I had kids. Yeah, we moved back this way, and I was so busy building up landscaping. You know, helping the other landscapers sure. in town. I just never had time for the car, so just sat, 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 and sat. So, and then just one thing like another, I found a parts car, whatever. So I I keep doing that on the weekends, but I never had time to go to my parents and work on it. And uh, then uh, finally, I, yeah, I did have kids. And I kept doing the landscape thing, and it wasn't working out that well. Mm-hmm. I still had no time for myself. I said, well, you know, if I'm not going to make that much money, I mean, okay money, but not great. My wife hated the hours. I said, well, she's going to hate the hours and the pay. I might as well do what I want to do. I sure. Because I'd been selling 66, seven parts for a year on the weekends mm-hmm. and stripping derby cars. And I'm like, this is kind of, I bet you I could make what I'm making doing this. And uh, fast forward, by the time my second kid was born, he was three months old, and I, uh, or maybe about four or six months old. I quit my landscaping job, started doing Lincoln's full time. Three months later, I found this shop for rent. I was like, I can afford this. I was like, I can sustain this. And she says, well, we can do this for a little while. If it works out with the money we have saved, I said, well, let's do it. And so far, I haven't gone uh, backwards yet. I haven't needed sure. a loan or anything. Uh, so just taking baby steps. It's only been two and a half years full time. And uh, that's kind of where it is. So the car's still sitting because I don't have time for it. It's still at my dad's. So I hope to bring it up here this summer, get it back on the road. And enjoy it and sell it, or sell it as is. But I'd rather sell my cars on the road so people just get in them and go. Yeah, because, you know, we've talked a lot, and you're not one of those shops that's like, you know, let's lipstick this thing up and send it down the road. You want it to yep. be a sound car. Yeah. Because you don't want yep. the people calling you back going, hey, I, bo- I broke down 10 miles down the road and that type of they're, thing. Technically, they're my personal car until I sell them, and then there's somebody else's. I don't treat them like this is a shop where we just need to turn things over, blah, sure. blah, blah. I treat them like my own car because they are. Yes. Because I say, I'm not, you know, I bought the first car was a 63, my first flip car. Uh, since I went in business, a uh, guy down in North Carolina, Ed Sykes, he's on the uh, forum, uh, for, uh, he's on the forum as well. He's also on the suicide slabs and all that. Mm-hmm. Called me up and just gave me a great opportunity to buy this car. And I did. I bought it. Great price. I bought some parts off him. Whatever money I had, I spent with him. Brought that car up. And that car, he thought it was a parts car. I said, this car is too nice to be a parts car. So I don't <laughs> worry how you're from. I said, but this is nice. Drove it onto the trailer. It smoked a little bit. Had bent push rods. Took care of that. Sold the car. Maybe about the next spring. Took that money. Bought my '66 convertible. Took that money. Bought the white '62 sedan and this uh, green convertible. And then from there, sold the white car. Bought the '64 sedan, uh, the nice all original one. Just one thing led to another. Last year it was cars, 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 and parts. So the business really grew fast last year. It was insane. I never would have expected to have four cars, four, four or five cars for sale. Two years into this, I just thought I just need a place to strip cars. <laughs> sure. So now the garage is filled with nice cars instead of. So I'm still working outside in the sun. 
Yeah, because you got rain. all this inventory and stuff back there. You Everything's got, outside. Yeah. You got a lot of nice stuff. What I have found over the years in, uh, you know, haven't owned one for about 10, but re- really researching for the past 11 or so and doing as much as I can to learn and talk to people, folks that want to get into a car like this, like you and I, we're Lincoln addicts, we're passionate about what we do. But there's a you know there's guys out there that know nothing about turning wrenches that see a car like you know we when we went to lunch today and they're like oh wow you know this is cool I want to have one so they kind of rely sometimes on someone like yourself or I get a lot of questions where someone says well I want to buy a car what should I look for and things yeah, so I get that a lot the good news is if somebody comes to you and they go hey you know this is what I'm looking for you can kind of steer them in the right direction and maybe get them into a car yeah I do a lot of. Uh Call it volunteer work. People call and say, <laughs> I want a car, you know, hey, I want one of yours. And until I tell them all about it, I send them an album filled with pictures and videos of every car I have. And then they go, well, I might look at another one. Can you give me some advice on it? <laughs> you know, sure, whatever. It might yeah. lead to a customer someday, you know. Sure. So uh, they, I get a lot of pictures on cars and advice and cars. Some cars I know. Some are like, I've never seen that before. Hey, if you don't want it, let me know about it. I'll give, Definitely. You, I'll give you some money. Um but it's a good way to connect with people and and, and make sure people realize what they're getting into, too. I said, hey, you know, these cars aren't uh, – you're not buying a fender off the reproduction fender. You're not buying a new this or that. I said, a lot of stuff needs rebuilt. Brake boosters need rebuilt, all this stuff. Brakes, you can't just go out and buy new stuff all the time. There's, it's getting better. It is. But it's also expensive. It but is. so is the original yep. parts. Both. But, um, yeah, these are very expensive cars to work on. I try to tell people that. And the best part is when I sell a car for, like, I had that ranch and all that truck thing. You know, eighteen hundred bucks or something. You know, oh, I got, I got my tax return money. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, you have no idea, dude. <laughs> you, you have just eighteen hundred dollars. You are not gonna be able to afford to do anything with this car. I said, you need at least two hundred dollars every month just to take it out. <laughs> I said, just because right. something might happen for fuel. Yeah, you need like a separate bank this. account with savings and interest just to make sure you have a side <laughs> fund just to keep these. I said, especially in this condition. I said, it needs everything. Hashtag Lincoln. I said, life. it doesn't have an engine and transmission. I said, you put one in and. Then what? I said, that's going to need $1,000 worth of work. Brakes need $2,000 worth of work. I said, you can't just, it's not like yep. it's a running, driving freaking car for 1800 bucks. So uh, I make sure people too. And a lot of people though, it's nice because I get a lot of calls. Instagram followers is huge. Sure. And uh, they call saying, John, what you have is what I want. I want a running, driving car. I know I'm going to have to pay in the 20s, 30s, sometimes 40s for it, depending on what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I want a car I can get in and go. I want everything taken care of. If I buy your 64 Will you finish it off for me? Blah, blah, blah. I have a 62 here. It's been here for a while. Um, and it's the same thing. It was Ed Sykes' car, the one I bought my first blue 63 off of. He said, fix it up, sell it. So I started fixing it up. Then I sold it for him while I was fixing it up. New owner said, hey, finish it. I said, all right. So it's been here for a while, off and on. But it's, it's going to get airbagged. But the new owner uh, is going to put 20 uh, D-Town 20s on it. We're going to air, uh, airbag it. My buddy up the street has uh, a fab shop. He's going to lower it for us and then i'm going to finish a couple things disc brakes all around and it's out of here um it's just been a long wait for bags and also my uh last year was just crazy i just didn't have time so the customer's car stuff is something i want to do but it's probably not a not the most important thing because the 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 money cash flow is my parts sure so this has been here a long time it's time to get rid of it but um i'm excited to see it come together but uh, that's another another way to get another hold of people, avenue. too, is he says, I want to come through you because I know you know Lincoln's. He's like, and if it needs something Lincoln-specific, you can do it. And you sure. have third, you know, 30 cars sitting out here that you can pull parts from and whatever. I says, yeah, you're right. I said, I'll fix those regulators. I'll 
you know, make sure this is running right. I'll put the radiator back in. I'll put a correct clutch fan in and yep. add electric fans and stuff like that. It was a California car. Uh, your steering columns, junk, turn signals don't work. I said, I can fix all that stuff with all the stuff I have. And uh, so that's, it is. It's a reason why some people prefer to maybe pay a little more, but it makes Definitely. sense because I know what I'm looking for. I know what you're, you're looking for. Definitely. I'm not going to sell you a piece of crap, you know. So, uh, but a lot of times you get these guys flipping cars, Lincolns, like they know what, it, what they have. And they don't, and then someone else gets it and starts complaining and calling me, saying, <laughs> why, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, did you pay for it? I like 13 grand for this car. I said, the car wasn't worth five. I said, I know that car. I said, that you should not have bought that, you know? Yeah, now people get... the wrath. You know, I said, how long did that guy have that car? Oh, like, uh, I don't know. I didn't ask him. Look at the title. Like, two months. <laughs> he just flipped it. I said, that's fine to flip. You're right. You're straight about it. Don't go telling it's... Yeah, you can flip and cars your, and know. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just That's don't okay to flip. just be upfront yeah, about it. Say, you know? I don't know. I'm it's like me. I've recently sold some cars for different folks, and it's like I'm always clear that the owner is said person. You know, I'm doing a service here to to market this car and sell it. And oh, by the way, I don't condone selling any rust buckets and things like that. It's like, look, there's cars that we know can be repaired and fixed and stuff. And it's like, hey, sell it for what it is. You know, there might be a, a guy or a lady out there that that's in a eight or 10 or 15,000, 14,000 dollar price point. Hey, get something a little bit cheaper. If you want to dump in five grand a year or however much a year you can afford for the next five years, then you'll have a finished car. There's plenty of those folks out there as well, but yeah, just make sure you, you know, you're, you're solid with, you know, what you're actually doing up front or what you have. Um, John, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's always cool to see what you have going on. You've got, um, a cool shop here. You've got some cool inventory, Got plenty of parts out back, uh, some stuff in here as well. How would, let's say, a casual listener that uh, you know isn't living the Lincoln life like we are twenty four seven? How would they get in contact with you? Well, I don't have a website or anything. I have Facebook, Instagram, and Craigslist. Basically, is all I use. Yes, and it- a lot of it's word of mouth. Just it's just me, and uh, it's a lot for me to if I had the website like Lincoln Land. I'd need a crew just to keep up. Sure, I just sure. Can't do that. So I'm not at that point yet. So uh, they want to get a hold of me. Uh, Facebook gets stinking Lincoln, uh, stinking Lincoln parts. Uh, Instagram is also stinking Lincoln parts, and uh, Craigslist in Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas. I always have. I don't put my name on there, but I have. There's I'm the only one with Lincoln stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see them added, too. Yeah, there's searching. usually a picture of a car, the cars in the shop, and parts, and uh, that's a good way. But my number, you know, uh, email's fine. Stinking Lincoln parts at gmail dot com. Yeah, and it's S T I N K I N Lincoln. So kind of flows, and, you know, go out there, follow John, uh, get on the LincolnForum.net. I know a lot of you younger cats, you love Facebook and stuff. I love Facebook as well. But if you're looking for, like, good, solid documentation, you can go on there, right, John, and search those keywords. It makes it very simple. And I tell people all the time, if, if you come across a good thread that you know you need to go back to, save it, create folders in your favorites. I have it for electrical, windows, top, you name it. And if it's a it's a darn good thread that I know I'm going to refer back to, I save it. And then with the Safari browser, like on the Mac, I can even put in keywords for that. So like if I'm like, oh wait, it was this, I can search in my favorites to go right to that that link and then click it. Yeah. So nice. there's a lot of tips out there, but I mean, basically do your homework or get with someone like yourself or you know I've I've brokered a few deals. Go out to the guys that, that live this life all the time. We're Lincoln addicts, and you know we we love what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing more I love doing these, and I specialize in 61 to 69 only. Not that it makes me more of an expert than anyone doing others, but that's sure. all I work on. That's all I know. 
and that's it. So if it's 61 it's like 69, Cashman, you know, yeah, I mean, 61 through 67 primarily. Convertible, yeah, I mean, he's like the guy to go to for that kind of information. Yep, yep. But yeah, this is all I specialize. This is it. I don't get into Mark threes. I don't get, I've had one or two, but that's it. Just because they were local and cheap, but uh, it didn't work out well. So I'm going <laughs> to stick to my 61 nines. Uh, just to, to me, the best years, I know so much about them. I don't have the time to get into other stuff. I don't have the room for it. Uh, every time I think I have money to get into something else, I'm like, maybe I should go buy like a Chevy wagon or something cool. <laughs> There's a Lincoln. I'm like, eh, I'd rather buy that. So I just, <laughs> I just end up doing that. So I just kind of stuck uh, with them. And it's not know. stinking Chevy, right? It's stinking no, it's not it. stinking. Whatever. Yeah, it's got, it's got to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, John, dude, it's always great syncing up with you, man. Always good hospitality when we come up here. We hit up Permani Brothers, get some food, and I uh, just want to say thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to share with the listeners? Oh, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's it. I mean, if you're new to the Continentals. Uh, 60s Continentals, definitely call one of the experts, man. We have, I don't think any of us, any of us vendors have an issue talking to you about what to look for or what you can expect to pay. Uh, yeah, you'll find great deals out there like I do. I have to. I mean, I'm not going to pay 20 grand for a car that's worth 22. It doesn't make any sense. Sure. I get good deals too. They're out there. You just got to look. You just got to know when you get to those cars, what, what's the important thing to look for, you know, because can, I can add up in my head just from you telling me about this car or sending me pictures, what's going to cost roughly for you to even enjoy that car safety sure. you know safety is a big thing and any new owners too there's a lot of ish, like secret little things you don't know about and a lot of people don't know until their car takes off on them like the jumping out of gear definitely uh with that lovely vacuum even if your emergency brake works your park brake works it lets go for you and then takes off on its own yeah tc, that stuff, you TC know? the lincoln basket case on instagram one of our good friends down there in florida she always She's a big proponent for you know doing the bushings and all that stuff because you don't want your car your car jumping into gear yeah, and taking I've seen off too much of it. Yeah, you know? I've been to auctions and looking at cars. Oh, it was repainted, you know, whatever. And go look at the back bumper it has that <laughs> ding in it from being repaired. The trunk's painted. You could see there was a dent in the trim. They didn't fix the trim, but they fixed the trunk. I'm like in the door. You could see the door was bent backwards into the fender. They just mudded it up. You could tell. It. I'm like this car took off in reverse, caught the driveway, caught the garage door. And the guy's like, how'd you know that? I said, I can see it. I said, I, I know that's what they do. I said, sure. you know, and they start the car up during the auction with 100 people sitting around it. I'm just thinking, oh, my God, if that thing does that again. If, you know, just, if park brake's not even on, even if it was fixed. The dude, car will become could, a terrorist and just start mowing uh, people like, down. I just it made me cringe. I was right as close to the car as I could just in case. Cause it makes me, safety is a big thing, man. I got two kids. Last thing I would ever want to think about is that car taking off and pitting somebody. Yeah, 100%. And I've seen them take off, hit trees, and. One recently, uh, sixty. Uh, it was at a shop. They fired it up to warm it up. Just gradually took it, took it in reverse, and luckily the the guy. It was in a big tall racks. Luckily they were bolted to the floor. Just bent the leg and stopped the car. Broke his tail light. That was about it. Um, but that could have been a disaster. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a huge disaster. If those racks, they were you know, ten, twelve foot tall, filled with stuff. Cars between two sets of racks, and they let it idle. I was like, oh man. The don't video is car, unbelievable. Don't let your car idle, people. You got to stay in the car yeah. with your foot on the brake, and you just can of course do the maintenance to the bushings. The, fix the park brake, man. Fix and that fix park, the park brake, brake as well. And disconnect the vacuum from sixty-four to sixty-nine. One, two, and three. It's not an issue. They will jump gear, but you got to the park brake separate. It doesn't, it doesn't come off when you put it in the gear. So just make sure your park brake works first. Disconnect the vacuum from the neutral safety switch to it, and you'll be okay. Disconnect, oh. Take your e brake off manually, like you should, and always chalk your tires. Um, that's what, I don't know. It's just one of those things that's always in the back of my head. I always ask people if they fix those columns, if they did any of that stuff. Nope, they haven't done it. First thing that happens, they get the car in, fix that park brake, make sure it's disconnected, then tackle that Definitely. column as soon as I can. 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's one of the only cars that does that, though. Ford's the only only Ford that does that is Lincoln had that vacuum park brake release for a convenient luxury feature. Dumb. Crazy, Stupid. isn't it? Yeah, I don't think about that down the road. But Well, John, thanks again. Uh, at Stinkin, S-T-I-N-K-I-N, Lincoln on Instagram, Facebook as well. Give him a follow. Thanks for your time, my brother, and uh, enjoy the yeah. rest of your weekend. Good, good meeting up with you again, man. I appreciate it. Thank yes, you. sir. Take care. Hey, hey, there you have it, episode eight of Lincoln Attic Podcast. So I would highly recommend that you subscribe to the podcast via however you listen. You can also listen on the web through uh, Lincoln Attic. Just Google Lincoln Attic Podcast, and it will land you on the main Podbean landing page. You can listen right there. You can also listen through Apple's recently, I'd say, uh, re redone site. If you Google Lincoln Addict Podcast Apple, you will see that Apple now has a landing page for all of their podcasts. And prior, it would flip you over to iTunes, but you can literally listen right there in the browser. It makes it super easy. Also, if you're an Apple user, go out there and leave a rating through. Easiest way is through the Apple Podcast app on the iPhone. You actually have to click on Library, select Lincoln Attic Podcast, scroll down, keep scrolling a little bit, and you'll see the stars. Hopefully, you'll leave a five-star rating, and then after you leave the rating, you can even leave a review. So that helps other people find the podcast. Right now, we have uh, a few reviews, and I'll cover those on an upcoming episode as we do with OLP. So again, uh, want to just remind everyone that this is Memorial Day weekend. I just posted episode 127 of Our Lifestyle, the podcast, and I said the same thing at the end. Memorial Day is this Monday, and we are remembering those that had given the ultimate sacrifice in service with the United States Armed Forces. So uh, thank you to all of those folks that you know gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we live in the land of the free. Rest in peace to my dad, Papa Smurf. He was a big John Fogarty fan, and we're going to roll out with some Run Through the Jungle. Better run through the jungle. Love this song. Have a great weekend. We'll get you guys back with Episode 9 real soon. Take care.